Welcome back, Breasties. I am so excited to have our guests tonight, Drs. Robin Roth and Dr. Adrian. Oh my gosh, Adrian, I forget your last name right now. Keep brain. Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Welcome to the show, the Booby Docs. Thank you for having Ooh. us. We're so happy to be here. We are thrilled to have you. We were so excited to be on your show a few weeks back, episode two of the Booby Docs. I see you guys are getting so much great feedback on the show, and your ratings are so high. Yes. Five-star rating. Woo-hoo. So exciting. Yes, that's the hardest part, I feel like, is gaining your audience initially and actually getting those good reviews. So yes. as you both know, there's not a ton out there in terms of breast cancer podcasts. Yeah. But what you guys are doing is incredible because you're sharing so much knowledge from the doctor standpoint, but you do it in an authentic way where it's not boring and scientific. One thing we are not is boring. (laughs) That's for sure. In our market research, when we were like researching breast cancer podcasts, um, a friend had told me about making the rest of it and we binged it and we, that was, we, we fell in love with both of you. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's really nice to hear. Can you guys give me, I know your story. Can you give me the rundown on how you two have met and how you've become such great friends and how you work together and why you started this podcast? Sure. So um, Adrian and I met the first day of med school, which is now over 15 years ago at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx. Um, And we both went into radiology and now we are both breast radiologists. And now actually we both work together at Cooper University Hospital. Um, so we are very fortunate in that regard. Um, Robin's actually started the podcast. Um, I'm not sorry, the, the, podcast, Instagram. the Instagram handle about a year ago. And around December, she had this aha moment that it would be much more dynamic and interesting if she took me along for the ride. So that's when the real collaboration in terms of the booby docs started. We always worked together, not always, but we had been working together for the past three years, best friends since med school. But this kind of was a culmination of that. And it's been awesome. We've just learned so much, had the best time with the podcast and the Instagram handle. And yeah, like we've been getting a lot of great feedback about breast cancer awareness and and just getting the word out. That's amazing. I love what you guys are doing. So for those who are unaware, can you take us through what a typical day looks like for you with your patients? Yeah. So, I mean, breast radiologists are usually the people that they interpret the mammograms and the ultrasounds and the breast imaging studies, the MRIs. We also do the biopsies, you know, so we are really the ones that diagnose people with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most people think radiologists don't see people, but we see people all day. I mean, we're doing biopsies, we're breaking bad news and um, good news and good news. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, So that's definitely the hardest part of the job, but it's so interesting and fascinating. And I think that, you know, a a good radiologist can make a big difference in someone's care. Definitely. uh, Them feel comfortable. And 100%. I made such a strong connection with my uh, radiation oncologist, Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, radiate radiology oncology. See, it's so confusing. Mm-hmm. So you guys are really at the helm of the ship when a patient first comes in, you're the first connection they make. That's so exciting. So I guess how many other doctors are on your staff? Like if someone were to call you tomorrow and mm-hmm. try to make an appointment or maybe on Monday, mm-hmm. 
How many other doctors do they really get to book or is it just luck of the draw, whoever has time? So we have a, um, we have an office out in Voorhees and there are usually two breast imagers, two radiologists or mammographers. So I use those words interchangeably. We're called mammographers, radiologists or breast radiologists or breast imagers. Um, so there are usually two of us, Robin and I got to work together to, to today and yesterday. Um, but all of our other colleagues, we all have the same philosophy, the same, you know, by reds manual that we follow. Mm-hmm. And like Robin said, it's really the first, um, you know, part of the process in a lot of people's breast cancer journey. We do probably about 10 biopsies a day. Wow. We, we do diagnostic exams, probably on the order of around 30 diagnostic exams. And then throughout the day, we're also reading screening mammograms. We're interpreting breast MRIs. Um, so we really get a good uh, taste of all the breast imaging um, that way. What we lo- what I love about breast radiology is that, yes, there's, there is a team. So there are four main players in a team of someone who's been diagnosed with breast cancer. At the least. Breasts, at, at least. least yeah. At least. So the, the core would be a breast radiologist, a breast surgeon, a radiation oncologist, and a medical oncologist. So mm-hmm. once we send the patient off to either a breast surgeon or a breast oncologist, we then also get the opportunity to get their breast imaging throughout their process to see if either they're having a good response to the chemotherapy preoperatively to check their um, post-surgical imaging. So we, we keep our hand uh, with the breast imaging throughout the, the journey and and that's also rewarding because we get to see, you know, the results kind of unfold over time yes. and see all that treatment response unfold on the mammogram. Absolutely. I think about this all the time. My oncologist is consistently giving me bad news. And like those breast surgeons and mm-hmm. radiology in the beginning, that was smart to make that move because even though you are delivering that tough news about that diagnosis, you're also the ones giving people hope initially. Yes. And I think that really sticks with people. And I have to give you guys credit at your hospital. You have a great patient experience there. One of my oncologists, Dr. Maida, mm-hmm. is one of my oncologists. I love him dearly. And I love your system. I love your office. It's beautiful. My only complaint is when are you going to let patients start bringing caregivers again? Because every time I come to see Dr. Beta, I'm solo. And I'm like, hold on, let me FaceTime my husband or my best friends. He's a Giants fan though. So like, I'm not really, I don't want to see him. I'm kidding. (laughs) We are, we are excited to have, you know, caregivers back because I think it's really, it's, it's unfortunate and it's really, it makes it that much harder for a patient going through a biopsy who wants someone to hold their hand, but that's what we do. We hold their hands and we play music and we try to make it, you know, as it's a really tough situation, you know, oftentimes, you know, it's, it's a stressful situation where that, or basically is it cancer or not? Yeah. Um, So we kind of are the hand holders throughout the process. I love that because you really need that support system. When I was originally diagnosed, I didn't bring anyone with me. I did not think I had cancer. I was solo. So Mm -hmm. when you have someone supportive and who gives you hope, like the two of you do, it makes such a different experience. And Dr. Maid is like that too. You know, my Mm situation is pretty dire, but he always helps me find the silver lining to my Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And um, 
Funny story, we just found out through a liquid blood biopsy that I mutated again and I have the PIC3 mutation. So we're, although it sounds crazy and like you'd be sad about this mutation, we're excited because it offers me a new targeted therapy. So now I'm going to start PICRI and hopefully come off chemotherapy again soon. And that gets me thinking. So when you guys do your biopsies, mm-hmm. how does the pathology work? Because I know that you can do it standardized in the hospital, but now there's fancier labs like Foundation One and Caris who do a broader scope in terms of telling you what type of cancer you have, what's driving it. How does that work? So when we first do a biopsy, we're really just trying to figure out, is it breast cancer? And what type of breast cancer is it? Is it invasive ductal cancer, the most common type? And then also, you know, what are the receptors, hormone receptors? So we always test for estrogen, progesterone, and HER2 new. Um, so th- that really helps target your treatment. So those are like the standard tests. Mm-hmm. But then when you're getting into like the nuance of it, they can send it out further. You know, there's lots of, I know that with, especially in your case, if you have a cancer that's maybe refractory to treatment, they could do more, you know, personalized testing that not everyone needs. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, especially if it's refractory, then, then they can send it to these, you know, fancier labs that really help target exactly what's driving it. And I think that's what's so incredible. And that's definitely where breast cancer treatment is going to a more individualized, personalized approach. Definitely. Um, I'm amazed just, at how much. Say, sorry, I've me, learned so much from you guys. It's incredible. And like you said, science is moving at the speed of light, which gives mm-hmm. me so much hope. There, I'm sure you've seen there's a lot of activism right now about this ERSO mm-hmm. drug that's supposed to come out. Bayer just dropped it. It looks like allegedly it might be because of their Roundup cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just waiting on another pharma company to pick it up. But it's got me and so many other of our breasties so hopeful that the cure is is coming or at least we can manage this illness more effectively instead of jumping from treatment to treatment. Right. You know, I will say that you are the most, I have, we have to give you a compliment because you are the most positive and inspiring person. I think that we've met, you know, the, the way you deal with, you know, a thriver, you know, being a metastatic thriver that it, it, it should not, you know, of course it changes your life, but you know, you try to focus on what's important and, you know, spending time with your children. I think this is a lesson that everyone can use. Definitely. So kudos to you for being such an inspiration to everybody. Thank you. I, last night I was just thinking about, you know, future content and like, I have to let people know that I was really expecting that this chemo, when this stops, like I only have a couple more options to take. Mm -hmm. And let's say the chemo doesn't work. I could be on hospice by March or April. But because now this PICRI is coming into action, I'm now looking at my year and I'm saying, I'm going to make it to another Christmas. And so many people don't have to worry about thinking this way, but Mm -hmm. it's my reality and it's John's reality. And I can see John's going to get emotional. I'm not getting emotional. It's awesome. It's it's a fact of life. We have to talk about it. There's so Mm -hmm. many of us out there and there's a lot of rumors going around with metastatic breast cancer, like you know, your second cousin thinks you have bone cancer now. Well, no, it's still breast cancer. It's just in your bones. So I love that you guys are educating people from the doctor perspective as well. It's amazing. I have to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I have to just, I, I had just such a chilling moment this past weekend. We were both, all three of us were at the, all four of us were at the butterfly ball. And there was this moment where all the stage four thrivers stood up 
and we're honored and it took our breath away. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we feel very privileged to be able to treat this community of women and seeing the other side of it and seeing, um, it's not, it's not just the struggles. It's also the way you choose to live your life and show up and support each other. We're here for it. And it just, it means so much to us to be a part of that journey with you. That's so amazing. And we were at a table where I couldn't really see around the room, but how many thrivers do you think were at that conference? Cause I know that Jean Sachs had a lot there. I mean, at least like 20 and, you wow. know, and you can't even t- like by looking at you, it's gotta be confusing because you look healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and you've got this long, beautiful hair, even though you're going through chemotherapy. So that's gotta be confusing for people. Yep. Um, so yeah. right now I'm on a Braxine and I am cold capping again, which I did initially in 2017 when I was pregnant but it's funny because I forget once you get to round three or four, your hair really does start to fall out. So I'm emotional. Like every time I run my hair, my fingers through my hair, I have a fistful of hair mm-hmm. and everyone's like, but you still have so much. You can't even tell. And I'm like, I know mm-hmm. you can't tell, but it's still emotionally taxing because now there's hair all over my house. And I'm like, a reminder. There is? All over. <laughs> all over. Like, this is gross. I hate it. And it's, it's a small thing, but the pick right was such a win for me because now I'm like, thank God I don't have to worry about, are they going to find a good vein today? Because I'm refusing to get a port again. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I get a port now, it's probably never coming back out. So Mm -hmm. my scar looks good. I don't want another one. They have maybe one or two more rounds, fingers crossed. And then Mm -hmm. we can get on pick right. And my oncologist at Mainline Health actually just said to me, like, I have this little old woman who's in her 90s. She started PICRAE when the cancer was riddled throughout her bones and her liver. Her scans are now no evidence of disease. So I'm really hopeful that that's going to work for at least a year. I don't, I don't know a lot about PICRAE. Yeah, Could you tell, this is why we love doing this, because we learned so much from, from people like you. What, yes. Tell us more about PICRAE. So PICRI is a mutation. It's a PIC3 genetic mutation. And 30 to 40% of hormone receptor positive breast cancer patients have this gene. So my oncologist has been going crazy since day one when I became a thriver to say, let's do a bone biopsy, even though they're not that great because bone crumbles when you try to biopsy it. If you have that PIC3 mutation, this drug is super effective. So it didn't come back on my bone biopsy. Two years later, I get a liver biopsy. It didn't come back on that, but an androgen receptor came back on my liver. Mm-hmm. And this was my second blood biopsy in the course of a year. I want to say Meta did one on me about a year ago. And then we just did one two weeks ago. Pick three is in that blood biopsy. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that? It mutated again after five, six months. I I love that he keeps trying. Like, yeah, he, um, that's incredible. This is Dr. Meta. Yeah. This is Dr. Meta. So it was, um, it was actually my oncologist, Dr. Ali at Mainline, and um, it was Sloan Kettering's idea when I went up there to talk about trials. Good. So it looks like I might be eligible for one trial up there, which doesn't sound very promising. But I was excited to hear that they kind of whittled it down for me. And while we're on the topic of MD Anderson, my friend Emily Ackman has platinum resistant clear cell 
ovarian cancer. She is in Texas right now at MD. And she said, it's an incredible patient experience down there too. She's like, you need to get your ass down here with your cowboy boots. (laughs) So overwhelmed with oncologists already. I think that's like my next, next step. If it ever comes to fruition. We were actually, we were just talking on episode four. Our friend Lainey Jones has Lee Fraumini syndrome. And since 2011, every three months, she travels to MD Anderson in Houston from Florida to get her full body MRI. And then a because she's had radiation, she gets superficial chest wall ultrasound. And since that time, they've ca- caught like three little sarcomas. Wow. Um, yeah. So like they're so aggressive. It, it just talks about, it just exemplifies like the amazing patient experience and, you know, and that not all hospitals are created equal. And, you know, if you don't, if I think it underscores that if you don't, if the, the, you don't like the opinion or you think that there could be another one out there, then go find a second opinion. Find the team that works for you. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge promoter of this because when I was originally diagnosed, I went to three hospitals in the area and mm-hmm. I just clicked with my surgeon and with my oncologist and you know, it is what it is. I think people need to understand it's a long-term relationship because even when you're done the chemo and the radiation and the surgery, you still need to continue to go to visits and be seen. And it's it's you're in it for the long haul, right? So I'm always asking people, who's your oncologist and do you Mm -hmm. like them? That way I can share my knowledge with everyone else who's local, which is really nice. And now I can share my knowledge with people in New York from Sloan Kettering and Mm -hmm. now Houston. And I have some friends up in Boston who I work with who go to, um, what is that fancy cancer center? Mm Dana-Farber. So I feel like I'm very in the know with oncology now. It's very exciting. We have them actually, after you're like treated with breast cancer, we have a five-year survivorship program that, you know, that, that really kind of helps you kind of integrate back into society of like Mm -hmm. how to function without, you know, the, I mean, the fear is always there, but how to get reacquainted with, you know, I think when people get like, get graduate from their survivorship program, some of them are upset. They're like, now I just have to go off and, and, you know, navigate the world. It is like, you don't have that safety net anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So wait, Adrian, I was cracking up when we were at the butterfly ball. You were telling us the story about your grandmother's soup. Can you please tell the story? Because I've, <laughs> I realized that we're both Eastern European. I didn't realize it. So I grew up with all these Eastern European recipes, stuffed cabbage and, you know, all, all the, the brisket. And there was one soup that I always loved. And it was this, like, it was a cabbage soup, like this tomato-based cabbage soup. And for some reason, my grandmother always felt that it was important to tell me that I could have as many bowls as I wanted and I would never gain any weight, which seemed random at the time. But I was like, well, this is delicious. I'll take a third. So fast forward to like the end of my childhood and into my adulthood, I'm like, grandma, can I have that cabbage soup recipe? And she's like, just look. And I'm like, oh, it's this authentic recipe. It's probably on like a little piece of paper from Poland in the 1920s and it survived World War II. And and can I have it now, grandma? And she's like, oh, oh, that's that's a, that's Richard Simmons. Uh, <laughs> so great. It's like Richard so Simmons. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I hope you know the soup that you're talking about, because when you started the story, my grandparents are also from Lithuania and Slovak, Slovakia, sorry. And my Slovakian grandmother would say, um, 
like try this cabbage soup. It's so good. And I thought the same thing. I thought, oh my God, I know this soup. And then you said Richard Simmons. I was like, oh my gosh. I, I thought it was odd that Kristen's grandmother had this uh, this ancient uh, kind of recipe called deal a meal. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. <laughs> It's very, very big, you know, that culture in the thirties, oh you know, the thirties and forties. Apparently Richard Simmons stole that too. I don't know. Right. Totally. He's oh on my God. Have we found Richard Simmons yet? He's been missing for a while. He has been missing. He's alive, right? He's still alive. He's like my mom loved yeah. Richard Simmons in the eighties and so did yeah. her best friend. And my for the younger audience. Like, yeah. Yeah. Google him. Um, Google yeah. Richard Simmons. If you don't know who he is, there's some great videos, I'm sure. Oh yeah, uh, his outfit. He did have a great I, energy. He, I, he had great energy. I just remember as a kid, like those videos would come on. I'd be like, "What is this? What am I watching? I'm trying to watch He Man. Who's this guy?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like, you have to check out the podcast, like Finding Richard Simmons. Like, I feel like they last we heard he's like being well. I don't know what where he is, but he's being holed up in his house allegedly by like his his. His, I don't know, his housekeeper. Oh my God. Howard Stern loves talking about yeah. him. I don't know if you, you Who guys doesn't? are fan. <laughs> Howard, every once in a while, Howard Stern will be like, anyone find Richard Simmons yet? Yeah. Oh my God. That is so funny. Hold on. Wait, he's being held up in his house, but like a, like a Britney Spears situation. I think it might be <laughs> from what I've heard. I don't know. I'm, I'm like an emotionally abusive situation. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like speaking to Richard Simmons, but it sounds a little Aww, strange. I know. Shame. Love Poor that. Guy. I just picture him walking around in shorty shorts, like not being able to leave, all upset. <laughs> no, he went missing for now a few years. So that's a shame. Yeah. I love your Wonder Woman cup, by the way. Oh, thank you. So I was dubbed Wonder Woman by my children right after I was diagnosed. And it just kind of stuck and we ran with the theme. So like now everybody guys buy too. You're oh, like that scene where she's like walking through and all the bullets are hitting her and she's like, nope, nope, not today. That really is you. Not today, cancer. That's how I feel every day. Every day is a, uh, it's, some days are easier than others, but some days it's really hard to get out of bed with all of the side effects and the symptoms of treatment and yeah. still maintaining a job. And, you know, I was actually curious to ask you guys, you know, you're both busy moms. You both have these high profile positions at work where you're literally saving lives and delivering good news and bad news and hope. When do you find time to like get your hair done? I don't get my hair done. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like time, I've like come to realize like that time is the most valuable commodity. Mm -hmm. And and there are certain things that like, for example, I think the last time I, I had someone else dye my hair, it must have been like five years ago because it took a whole morning of my life. And I was like, wait a second, I can do this in my bathroom while do while, sh you know, like while shaving my legs and doing all the other time consuming like yeah. things that so I, I don't know, I don't I, I feel like it's all about like time management life hacks, like spending a lot of time doing certain things these days for me seems, you know, just unnecessary at this point in my life. Like, I, I don't know, but then I know I, other people hand, find yeah. it relaxing. Like Robin finds it relaxing to yeah, like get her makeup done or like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I make time for it because I really, I've realized I need more time for myself because, and I can't feel guilty about that because yeah. you know, we both have three kids. We work full time. We do this Instagram and the podcast and it's just like, a lot. So, you know, I work, I work four days a week. So on my Wednesday, I really take time for myself and she's been good about trying to get me to do that. I go for the massage. Do yeah. you, do you, uh, well, 
I love I, massages. I mean, to me, that's not something I can do myself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Digs. Yeah. That is time well spent. I love yeah. that so much. I know there's there's so many things that go into like just even getting to the butterfly ball. I was like, I got to get my hair done. I got to get my nails done. I have to find a dress. Couldn't find a dress anywhere. I ended up borrowing one from my aunt, which was great. But love the emerald green. Time to shop. Like when yeah. do you shop. Online. Yeah, you know what? Return. I was just telling I, I am on Walmart uh for food shopping. I don't go out anymore ever since the pandemic. I try not to. Mm-hmm. And it keeps track of the amount of hours that you save, like having your groceries delivered. And mine is insane. It's like 160 hours. Wow. Been, like saved because of all I mean, like I, I do a lot of grocery delivery. I know you know you've got the three boys. Yep. It's like a constant evolving <laughs> like food door, right? Like you, you think know? you have food and then you open yeah. up your fridge yeah. and it's what happened? Okay. All they do is eat. Giant I mean it's direct. a blessing, but yeah. it's a lot to keep up with. It is. I love giant direct. But um, John, since the pandemic, has found more time in his schedule. And he actually enjoys going to shop because he gets to pick out random things. Well, I don't want to disparage Giant, but my biggest problem is you order that stuff and then it's always a fun surprise what they don't have. And you're like, I really needed that. Like yeah. I have, we have to make lunches for our kids. I'm sorry. Like you got, can't have a, you didn't substitute with anything and now I don't have it. So I still got to go to the store. It's <laughs> depends, <laughs> yeah, it's, depends on who you get. I think that like the more people get to know you and they learn that you're pretty easy going, they're okay mm-hmm. with making the substitutions yes. and they've gotten better with it, John. You haven't seen this, but online they, like substitute a for B or substitute the, Mm-hmm. The handy snacks for the Oreo handy snacks. And I'm like, oh. You know, kids are, though. They're particular. They like what oh. they like. And I don't have time to be dealing with attitudes at 7 in the morning trying to get them in the car. Yeah. Sorry, Giant didn't have it. Got Guys, this is a substitute. It's cool. Oh, Turn your mic down. You are so hot right now. <laughs> it's too funny. I have a hilarious story with the delivery. So I, I order from Walmart a lot, too. And um, I'll, I needed orange juice. That was, like, the purpose for placing the order. So I, like, order three gallons of orange juice and then – you know, a few other things that my kids needed and they deliver the groceries and it's completely the wrong order. Like oh. not even close to my order. And they told me, they're like, you can keep it. But I was like, I still need my orange juice. Jalapeno poppers. Like, <laughs> right. That's my point. So you might as well just go, uh, just go. for me. It's happened to me too. And it's interesting to see what other people buy. And it's funny because (laughs) you try not to stereotype, but it just happens. I one time got an order where it was very clear to me that it was a little old Italian woman's order because (laughs) it was like the meatball or the meatloaf mixture with the canned tomatoes. That was a good order. That was a good order. My people were prepping for like a Super Bowl party or something because I got like jalapeno poppers and Doritos. And I was like, oh, I boy. love it. Yeah. That's a good order. You're like, <laughs> yes. Like a food pinata. It's just. Yeah. So, John, Adrian is also plant based. And that's how I learned about this soup that you were talking about. And Robin actually said Adrian came to our house and like cleaned out her pantry. Can you tell us more about that? Because I know. Oh, it's, my God. It's so well, hard. So, okay. So Robin and I always joke around that we're kind of like yin yang in a lot of different ways. Um, And one of the things that is, I think, exemplary of that is our eating habits. And I have a sweet tooth. Well, I have a sweet tooth too. And she's my enabler. She's like my drug 
Uh, right, it's true. She's like my drug dealer. <laughs> Whenever I go to her house, I like find the lucky charms and pour myself like a big solo cup of it because I don't have it at home. Right. So right. she's like, she's got all the goods. But recently Robin was like, you know, I'm ready for a change. We want to start, you know, making healthier choices. So she recruited me to come to her pantry and when I tell you there, we, we made two, we made two separate piles. One pile was like basically non-perishable foods that could be donated. And then the other pile was just like, all right, you know, this Fritos bag is, you know, half open, we're trashing it. So this was right after Halloween and I threw away the Halloween candy. It was like, or, I, know, I donated, I donated the Halloween candy. All of it. All of it. And, and she called me the next day in a panic. Like, like she was like, like her sugar was dropped and she's like, where's the Halloween candy? <laughs> <laughs> it's November 1st, you monster. She's like, how could you? I thought we had a deal. And I was like, we did have a deal. That is like, I mean, I'm like, I mean, in all fairness, I also donated it to my son's swim team. They were doing a big donation to the troops. And so I was like, you know what? Like, just roll with it. Give him a couple of pieces of candy. Go to CVS if you need to and buy something. But you need it out of your house. So fast forward two weeks later, I'm working. Robin has an at-home workstation where we can work out of sometimes. So I went to her house and I went to her pantry to get a snack. And I'm like, you don't have any good food anymore. Uh, sounds like John going through my pantry. Oh my God. Like, she really, she cleaned out my pantry. It took like an hour and a half, like yeah. home edited, it, beautiful. Yeah. And then not only that, delivered me groceries from Trader Joe's with all the freshest food. Oh, that's so nice. So. I mean, my whole philosophy about food and being plant-based is that whatever you have in your house is what you're going to eat. Yeah. And whatever you don't have in your house is what you're not going to eat. Mm-hmm. So like Robin knows that like I, I, I also have a sweet tooth and if it's there, I'm going to have five of it. And yep. if it's not there, I'm going to find a different alternative. So I feel like just overbuying on, you know, on, on produce, a lot of bananas, berries, apples stay good in the fridge for weeks. Ever. Yeah. Potatoes. I buy 10 pound bags of potatoes at a time. Yeah. Like I'm always like cooking them up, microwaving them, mm-hmm. ovening them. Like they're just like all these whole food plant-based products that like once you realize that you don't really have too many alternatives, mm-hmm. like with the junk food, you end up going to them. So true. Um, and it and it's definitely a learning curve. Like I think it's it's hard in the beginning because you're used to you're used to what your you know, what your routine is and your body and your brain are too. So I mean I something I learned is that it takes 21 days to change a behavior, like in the, in the psychology world. So if you really want to make a change, like give it some time, you know, see what works for you, make the appropriate adjustments and, and don't be afraid to, to continue like making small adjustments here and there for what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. You told me that, you know, the good, the healthy choices start at the supermarket. And I think that's good advice. Yeah. Um, You know, not bringing it into the house is rule number one. But also I say that I'm plant forward. Yeah. That's yeah. Because I'm 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 being curious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm making an effort like by incorporating more plants. And I think that's important. So you got to start somewhere. When you have an event, especially, I feel like it's really hard. So the butterfly ball, for example, they said, you know, we're having a duet of salmon and beef short rib and you better believe I ate that salmon and beef short rib. And I was like, I don't want the vegan option because it's just a one-time thing. And then when I look back at pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can see the grain face 
in the pictures already. Yeah, you look stunning. Yeah. You look stunning. We are all our own worst critic. Isn't that true? So true. Um, I mean, I had the cauliflower. It was delightful. Um, but, you know, it, it, I, it's been three years since I've had meat or fish. So I, I'm used to it by now. I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel like like I'm used to the requests for a vegetarian substitution. If there's no vegetarian substitution, I just eat a double salad or like have some more bread or figure it out. Like there are all these little hacks that I think we all figure out along the way mm-hmm. as we commit to, you know, whatever direction we're going in. Now, as cancer doctors, do you believe the, I feel like it's more of a conspiracy theory that sugar feeds cancer cells? I do believe that there is something to that. Um, You know, it's hard because I love sugar. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to sugar. We all are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We had a talk with uh, Dr. Eleonora Taplinski about this topic, actually. And there are certain things in our diet that have been directly linked to cancer. So I think processed meats are definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the golden rule is that the more processed the food item, the worse it is for you. So I always like, I mean, I always try and buy things that have the fewest ingredients and the most whole foods. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, listen, I keep, I keep granulated sugar in my pantry. I love to bake, but I like cut it in half when I make like a quick bread or something like that. And I try and sub it out with like, I try and sub oil out with applesauce, like little things here and there that I just like that, that if I can de- decrease processed foods, I try to mm. with every opportunity, but it's impossible to avoid sometimes when you're out or yeah. there's a party and it's a balance, you yeah, know, it really is. So what kind of bread are you buying? Cause I feel like bread is a tough one. Yeah. If you have like a gluten thing. I like, I like, I don't eat a lot of bread, not because of health reasons, just because I've never loved it. But Mm I, I think sprouted bread, Mm -hmm. like the Ezekiel bread is really good. They have a good English muffin out too, like the cinnamon raisin one I like. Okay. Um, I don't know. What kind of bread do you buy? White. White. Wonder. Baby steps. The reason I'm asking, I'm not usually like a bread person either, but with the Picray drug, it's um, the one of the side effects is diabetes. So I'm trying to prepare myself now. Um, I do eat a lot of whole food, plant-based oh. stuff, but I love my fruit, which is going to spike my glucose. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I just need to get creative in terms of the redundancy. And like you just said, the the processed meat is not good. And it's It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. The the sugar in fruit, though, is obviously very different from the sugar in, you know, in Lucky Charms. So totally agree. But you know what's interesting? Even when you eat a banana or some mandarin oranges, like the, the ones that are higher in carbs, they're going to spike your blood. blood sh- I yeah. can't talk today. I'm like, your glucose level. You're good. And I only know this because I had gestational diabetes with Bradley, and that's why I'm being like very cautious with You know, you've been around mm-hmm. yeah. this topic before. Yeah. My nanny, Kathy, actually just sent me, I have to try it, but it's like a lentil flatbread bread recipe, and it's just red lentils um, and water. And I think you soak it and then blend it. And then it's kind of like a pancake. And I know that's high in fiber and protein and low in sugar. I think beans and lentils are a good go-to. Nuts yeah. are a good go-to because they they're they kind of like, I mean, yes, they can get a little boring, but they can also really satisfy, you know, certain cravings. Definitely. 
Um, what other like cruciferous, cruciferous vegetables are supposed awesome. to be amazing, like chock full of antioxidants and berries. Does that mean crunchy? Cruciferous, I think, is like I think of dark, leafy green vegetables like kale and like I know like it's so annoying to chew kale. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just a, it's really a lot of chewing, but like I'll yes. throw it in a smoothie. I'll like I'll kind of massage it and make it like uh, a supporting cast member in a quinoa salad just to get it in there without having to like feel like a cow along the way, yeah. you know, like chewing my own cut. Totally. I love to throw kale in soups, too. So yes. Italian wedding soup and I'll throw kale in there instead of the escarole because it's always sandy and it's hard to work with too. So I'll let you like, what am I going to do with this kale? I'll just throw it in a soup. Totally. I dished out a sandy salad yesterday to Robin. I'm like, isn't it good? And we're both like, it's a little gritty. It was mustard greens. Oh, I guess yeah. they're really sandy. I didn't realize. Oh, that's that funny. I was washing it that I had to like triple wash it as opposed to like a standard rinse. Yes. I'm, I'm impressed you're working with mustard greens. I haven't gotten that far yet. Well, not well. They had a bite. In addition to the grit that made me not want to buy them again. <laughs> yeah. You have to say that if you, I don't know if you guys have a Costco near you, but I feel like they're getting very plant forward and into a lot of lower sugar snacks, which is great. I'm um, really into Catalina Crunch right now. So you mentioned the Lucky oh. Charms. They have all these different varieties of cereal made from, I want to say it's like pea, pea fiber Ooh. and chicory root fiber. So it... There's so much fiber thrown in there. The little bit of sugar that's in there, you can deduct because of the fiber, which is nice. So oh, I'm nice. hooked on them. Catalina Crunch for anybody who's trying to eat right. carb on pick right. We need some. My kids are like, "What did you? What did Adrian do with all the food?" Robin's kids are like, "You monster!" <laughs> no, so hard. What do you feed your kids for breakfast then? Um. So some of my go-to's are like smoothies and I bulk them up with like oatmeal and nuts. Mm. Bana- Usually it's like a banana based smoothie with whatever they want. And then I try and kind of get it a little heartier nice. by, by, th- by camouflaging other things like oatmeal and nuts and what else? Like they don't love when it turns green. I used to sell it as like the Hulk smoothie, but mm. then they caught on and they were like, nah. they're like, it's kale. Yeah. It's kale. Yeah. Are there mustard <laughs> greens in this mom? These taste like mustard <laughs> greens, mom. Is that a substitute from giant? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. Right. And I was like, right. yeah. Like, there's some mustard greens in there. It's a substitute. Whatever. Mm, People are cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of oatmeal with like mixed fruits. I'll put bananas and blueberries. What do you do for breakfast? What do you guys do for breakfast? I'm still needing ideas. I've been doing uh, intermittent fasting. It ain't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I not like, great. I feel like breakfast is like home of the processed food, right? You got the waffles and hard. the cakes and the frozen this and the frozen that. And Real. like, yeah, it's a challenge. Like, I, yeah. I do it too. Like, I, yeah. when you're in a pinch, like, you're going to go for that bagel and that frozen pancake. And, you know, it's it's kind of... You take the good with the bad and you just try and do the best you can, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself in mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we put them in three sports. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I keep right? I do love chia seed pudding. I will say that's a good breakfast. Ah, yes. Really good. Um, I you make it real bread. simple, basic bitch, like almond milk, <laughs> chia seeds, and maybe a little bit of honey and that's it. Um, but I, I should get really, really like fancy with it. I've liked overnight oats like in the past. I think oh, I should get good. I, I love that we're just like 
I, food. Food. I, I feel like everyone connects with food. Right? Oh, yeah. Food. There's is a life. chia pudding actually that's great. It's like avocado chia, a little bit of maple syrup and cocoa powder, and you just blend it. Ooh. And it's nice. It has like a really good pudding texture. I'll I'll try and find the recipe. I'll send it to you. That would be amazing. Thank you. And I'm so sorry. I'm looking at the time. I think we're keeping you guys over. I know you have a procedure at one o'clock. The patients can wait. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. We are so happy that we were able to connect. And absolutely. It was so crazy meeting you at the butterfly ball. Like you were the first person that we saw when we were checking in. We heard when they said, what's your last name? And you said Gentile. And I was like, Kristen, it's the booby docs. I think I scared you at first. No, I'm <laughs> so excited to see you guys. Cause I literally did not think I was going to know anyone there. And it was funny. Yeah. The more I got to know who was there in the crowd, I realized, Oh, we're friends on Facebook. We're friends on Instagram. You yeah. listen to the podcast. You listen to the podcast. Yeah. So it was, it was cool to meet those people, especially like Dana from Anna Ono. Yeah. Never met in person. Um, well, you did. You did not disappoint. You oh are such an inspiration on so many deep levels. Yeah, you really, you. it's remarkable. Your story and and what you've done with your diagnosis and how you are thriving really inspires us and so many people. So yeah, it, it was you. an honor to meet you oh, both nice. and yeah. and to be on this podcast episode. Thank you for for having us and thank you for being on our podcast episode of course it was so much fun i i can't thank you guys enough and i will be in touch for sure you'll have to come back i know people are going to love this episode yeah i know my breasts as well and i have to say we love that you picked up on some of our euphemisms like the breasties and (laughs) saint thrivers now i love it i love it you know and i just have to give a kudos to john because the role of the caregiver is also very difficult and um yeah it's caregivers month beautiful union so wonderful to to see your collaboration and and see you guys together it was really awesome meeting you you too you too i don't know how i feel about this you know richard simmons i'm researching him he went to florida state (laughs) no way (laughs) he's a seminal seminal i'm I'm a gator florida state guy so you know are you i'm a i'm a gator i went to uh all right Uh, well oh Save that for another. That's a whole other podcast, people. (laughs) Two weeks coming up. The chop (laughs) versus the the gator clap. It's coming. (laughs) It's always there. Did it ever leave? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you guys so much for having us. Have a great day. Thank Thank you you guys. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.